The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Okay. Uh, oh, the barking. The barking is going to give away our next conversation because we chatted to my next guest under a year ago when her dog Leroy was the Wexford hopeful in the nose of Tralee. Lord Leroy is, uh, am I right in this now, Sinead? A Weasla crossed with a Weimar with a dash of German pointer and I had travelled to Castlebridge to meet him last August. But today I'm talking to his dog parent who is Sinead Quirk Ryan. This time though, we're going to talk about how she turned her love of dogs into a full-time career. And you're very welcome back to the Sunday Grill, Sinead. Thanks, Orla. Thanks for having me. You're very busy there with all those dogs barking away. Very busy. They get very excited when they see anyone <laughs> oh, pulling into the there's drive. There's a dog so we... scurrying away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk because when I visited you in Castlebridge last year, you had, a, you know, a love of dogs, but also a career that you had to attend to as well. Yeah, so I was... Um... I'd actually recently joined, I joined the civil service in February of 2022. Um, and then also I had my love of dogs then as well. Um, so I went right into the no. Sorry, you're, you broke up there. I can't hear you. Okay, well, will I start again? Yeah, so if you want, yeah, if you want to start with your career part, that's fine. Okay, so I was working for the civil service. I joined them in February 2022 after nine years of working in investment banking. Um, I was commuting up to Dublin two days a week and I entered Lord Leroy into the Nose of Tralee competition last mm-hmm. year and that triggered the idea, you know, to, to kind of start something new. What way could I, you know, start a business to work with dogs? So I kind of spent the end of last summer and kind of over autumn thinking about what could I do and I came up with the idea for Lord Leroy's Lodge. Um, so we do home from home dog boarding, daycare and uh, dog to wedding chaperone service then as well. Oh, really? I didn't know you did the dog chaperone service. What does that involve? Um, basically, anybody who wants, you know, dogs are part of the family. Now, I don't know anybody who has a dog that they don't consider the dog as part of the family. Um, and a lot of people that are getting married now would like their dogs to be at the we- some part of the wedding. Mm-hmm. They may want them at the ceremony. They may want them outside the church for a photo or at the, the hotel or, you know, for wherever they're having their photos taken. So I would chaperone the dog to the wedding, get them dressed up, have them all nice and clean and ready to go um, and bring them to and collect them. And then they would come and stay in our house then as well. Um, the night before usually and the night of the wedding and if they were going the people were going on honeymoon then as well the dog could stay with us then for a little holiday. So did you completely leave your job in the civil service and just start or did you kind of step into it part time and then you know slowly but surely leave the job behind? Yeah I, d- I hadn't any intention of leaving the civil service um, I'd only joined so you know I was I was happy in that role Um but then, you know, so I said I'd do it kind of part time, maybe a couple of dogs at the weekend or something like that. But I loved it so much. And we trialed it here, trialed it with my family to make sure they were happy. They need to be happy as well. Um, and they were all happy with it. And then I started getting lots of bookings. And I was like, I think I can do this job, um, you know, do it as a full time job. And it would mean I didn't have to commute anymore. I'd be able to, you know, I'd be working at home all the time. But to top it off, I'd be able to spend time at home with my own three dogs then mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And um, your children as well, Sinead, of course. Oh, yes. And my children, <laughs> of course. And <laughs> um, what is it? You say you loved it straight away. What is it that you love about it? Just everything. It's just, it, I suppose it's, uh, 
it's busy and I like being busy. So it keeps me going all the time. The fact that I can be outdoors, I, I'm an outdoors person and I love being outdoors. So um, I suppose having a desk job for so long and now to have the luxury of being able to step outside in the garden with the dogs, whatever I want to, even if it's raining, you know, we're, we're still outside as well. Um, and it's just it's just fun all the time. We have different dogs every day. You know, they all have different personalities and um, and then getting to know all the owners then as well, because they're all like minded people, too. And what do you do differently to kennels at Lord Leroy's Lodge? What are you doing differently? Well, so the dogs can sleep in the house with us. Um, so if we have a dog that comes to us that normally sleeps, for example, sleeps in the in a bedroom at home, we'll facilitate that here then as well. So we'll try and replicate that dog's environment as best we can in our house, you know. So um, they're not put, on, the only dogs that are in crates in our house are dogs that are crate trained because we don't want to do any of the work that the owners have done with them then as well. So like I say, we replicate um, pretty much the same as what it is at home. Um, we have, you know, we have a great big garden for the dogs to run around. So they're played with all the time. They're never left alone. There's always somebody supervising them. So like we're a family of four. Um, my daughter is, you know, she's she's in college, but it's only part time. So she's here a lot to help. And then my husband would be here a lot and, and my son here at the weekends then as well. So there's always somebody here, you know, um, with the dogs. I'm always here, but I always have somebody helping me then as well. OK. And they get out on walks and everything as well, do they? So, we, yeah, we do walks if that's what people, um, if people request the dogs to go for walks. But our garden is so big and they run so much in the garden, they don't mm. really need to. We do lots of activities. We have bought some agility equipment then as well. Um, and we just have lots of toys and games and that to, and enrichment games for the dogs then as well. So to exercise their brain. OK. And did you do many courses for this? Um, so I've done a two day career as a dog trainer. I have a canine first aid level two certificate then as well and I've just completed a four-day um dog training instructor course with the Institute of Modern Dog Trainers I did that last weekend I have a resource guarding course coming up next weekend and in July I'm doing um a puppy training course then as well so at the moment I'm not actually actively training I'm Mm -hmm. training some dogs um but the the long term I guess I'm going to get into dog training then as well Good stuff. And you're completely booked up for June. Did you expect it to take off as well as it has? No, I was I'm I'm shocked and delighted for all the support that we've got. Um we're pretty much booked up for June, July and August now at this stage. Um we even have bookings, we've bookings for next year. Um we've we've a lot of bookings for September, October, November as well. So it's really taken off and it just goes to show the love that people have for their dogs then as well, that they want them to have the same um, environment you know as they do at home then as well and did the press and media coverage that Lord Re- Leroy got when he was in Nose of Tralee has that helped in a way I think so a lot of you know because I had the Instagram page going from the, the competition last year so a lot of people knew about Lord Leroy anyway and often when people call up they say oh that's that's uh, the Wexford Nose <laughs> and you know so a lot of people are familiar with him and how is my best friend Lord Lord Leroy Oh, he's great. He's he's living the best life. He got a brand new sofa last oh. night, so he's delighted with himself. Does he remember um, me, Sinead? Because we got on really well. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he does. Should you come back and visit him again? <laughs> I'm definitely going to visit him. How does he feel about all the guests in the house? Is he OK with that or is his nose out of joint at all? So what we've done is we, because it is their home too, we need to respect their space. Like I have three dogs. Um, so we keep the sitting room at the start we were bringing the other the guests into the sitting room mm. but now what we've decided to do is keep our sitting room just for family and the dog our own dogs 
and we've converted a room in the house into a doggy daycare room and we've dedicated our sunroom to all the guests then as well so they can they can use both those rooms and obviously if they're sleeping in bedrooms by night but we just keep that area just free for our own dogs so they don't feel like their space is being encroached of course um you're not even a year into this new career path but Looking back on it, is there anything you'd do differently or any advice that you'd give people who are thinking of maybe taking a leap and doing something completely different? I would say definitely what we did was, you know, trialled it for a month. I just trialled it with family and friends just to see how, how it would go and how we felt about it and to make sure that it was the right choice for me and for, for my family. Um, what else? Follow your dreams, I guess, because I'm like, I'm, I'm happier now than than. I think I've been on my working life and I'm doing something that I that I really love. Yeah, I don't feel even though I am working, I don't feel like I'm working. I'm busy all day, but I don't feel stressed or, you Mm. know, mentally exhausted. And I'm sure it's 24 seven in many ways, is it? It is like the the dogs don't go to bed, if you like, until I go to bed. Like I'm not happy until they're all settled down that I'll go off to bed myself. And I just make sure that they're all sleeping and, and happy before and, you know, send them out for a toilet before we go to bed. Um, I'd be up at six in the morning. I'd probably go to bed at about 12 at night. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It's very rewarding work. Well, fair play to you taking that leap of faith and having a career change. Um, Lord Leroy's Lodge is what people search for. Is that right on social media if they want to get more details? Yes, you can just search for Lord, Lord Leroy's Lodge.ie or we're Lord underscore Leroy one on Instagram. Lovely stuff. And I was walking along the quay in Wexford last weekend and I saw a picture of Lord Leroy. Uh, up there on, on one of the boats. Is he there somewhere? That he is. He's on um he's on Wexford Muscles. That's my husband's family's <laughs> oh, business. Good. So we have we have to sign up there for a bit of <laughs> bit of free advertising. Good stuff. Well I, I saw him straight away. So good advertising. And Sinead, thanks a million for talking to this us this morning. Lord Leroy's Lodge is where you can check out more details on what Sinead is doing. And Sinead is based in Castlebridge in County Wexford. Thanks a million for talking to me this morning. Thanks a million, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the weekend. You're listening to the Sunday Grill and Eurovision fever has well and truly set in in Liverpool. And while the rest of the UK seems to be featuring the coronation of King Charles over by the Mersey, they're all things Eurovision as they get ready to represent the Ukraine at this year's Eurovision. And the Eurovision Village is already up and running. It is Full throttle there in Liverpool at the moment. If you're a Eurovision fan, you'll know that already. And one massive Eurovision fan is our ex-beat colleague, Colin Byrne. And for as long as I've known Colin, which is a very long time, he has known his Eurovision stuff. It's it's just ingrained in your head now, isn't it, Colin? It's it's just part of my life, Ola. (laughs) It's just... uh... Me and Eurovision go hand in hand. So when do you start to get excited about Eurovision? What time of the year? Um, I suppose you're kind of like looking at what songs are being picked by different countries. Okay. So um, the cutoff date is September of the previous year. So um, Albania are usually out of the gates straight away. They usually go for September. They have a really early choice. But I suppose um, about two months beforehand is when it kind of starts ramping up and all of the songs have been chosen. Oh, okay. And then... I suppose, especially when Ireland picked her song, it kind of, that's kind of where the interest for mm-hmm. me starts to grow massively. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I suppose it's just a case of of the songs I like, I'll listen to a good bit, you know, and 
um, yeah, it, it just becomes a thing where I just listen to a lot of the songs, especially in the run-up. Like at the moment, I'm listening to a lot of Eurovision stuff okay. just to kind of familiarize myself with what's going to happen uh, next week. Okay. And are you fully in the semi-finals then? So this Tuesday, of course, will be Wild Youth semi-final on Tuesday. So you'll watch everything, will you? Yeah, yeah I usually would watch the, the semi-finals and the final. I used to have like a Eurovision party uh, on the Saturday of Eurovision, but people kept talking, so I had to oh, cancel that. terrible. <laughs> like, that's a disgrace, isn't it? Talk, talking during the vote and what were they thinking? What were they thinking? Now, you're not going to Liverpool, are you? And it's so close to us. No, um, well, the first thing is the the price of accommodation is insane. Mm. So what happened was, as you know, the the United Kingdom asked if they could host it instead mm-hmm. of Ukraine um, because they finished second last year. So it, it, it falls to them if Ukraine can't host. So that's why it's in Liverpool. Okay. So a number, a number of cities in the UK put forward bids and it went down to Liverpool and Glasgow as the final two. Uh-huh. So when they knew they were in the final two, they just ramped up hotel prices. Oh. So even before Liverpool was chosen as the final city, they, they ramped up their hotel prices. So accommodation is incredibly expensive right okay. now. Um, and then tickets were very hard to get. I mean, because it's in a place where, you know, a lot of people are, are into Eurovision, a lot uh-huh. of people can get to it very easily. When, when it's somewhere more obscure, it's easier to get tickets. But when it's, it's somewhere like Liverpool or it's in Sweden or, or the Netherlands where people are, are really crazy about it, it's uh-huh. it's harder to get tickets for the events. And that's disappointing because you, you've been to the Eurovision before, haven't you? Yeah, the last time I went to it, it actually was Kiev. It was the last time oh, Ukraine won. So, okay. Yeah, so um, again, this is Ukraine hosting in a way, but it's going to be a very different Eurovision to, to what I went to in Kiev. Totally. A, a bit more somber, do you think? Or because I hear already in the Eurovision villages or village, even in Liverpool, there's lots of representations of Ukraine and they're and they're really respecting the Ukraine culture. And, you know, they've lots of different foods and music going on. So it sounds like it's still a celebration, even though it's a, there's a very somber reason that it's not in the Ukraine. Yeah, I suppose as well, like this is something that Ukraine is really passionate about. They've won. They've won three times now. They've they've got massive audience percentages every year when it's on. And last year, despite the war, the country kind of stopped and and watched the show. And um, you know, they have the record for they've they've never not qualified. They're the only country that has qualified every single time. Wow. So they they have this real inf- affinity with Eurovision back to the time when they debuted. So. Um, they're one of the one of the big hitters, and I think, you know, the the people just completely embrace it. So, you know, they see it as a celebration. Mm-hmm. And last year they saw it as a little bit of normalcy in in the the chaos that mm-hmm. was going on. And I think it is a little bit of of that for them. It gives them a little bit of you know something to celebrate mm-hmm. despite what's going on. You know. And um, what do you give their chances this year? What's their song like? There's, I like their song. Okay. I don't think it's going to win. I don't think it's a it's a contender this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot stronger songs out there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a double for Ukraine. And then what about our song, Wild Youth? What do you think of our song? Um, it's <laughs> not the greatest song. Oh. It's I, I feel it's, it's very much written for what people think should be a Eurovision song. Mm-hmm. 
And I went, when you look at what's won in the last few years, you know, Arcade, when when um, Duncan Lawrence won for for the Netherlands, and then we had that Daddy Frere song from Iceland, that was a huge hit. We had Maniskin. They've all gone on to be massive uh-huh. hits. Um, and you've got like Armenia had a song last year, Snap, that became a huge TikTok sensation. So Eurovision has moved on. It's become very mainstream. It's been helped by TikTok. It's been helped by, uh, you know, viral songs on viral. And I think that Ireland still hasn't tapped into that. And I think that if if we send something that's, you know, a little bit more cool and a little bit more, you know, aimed at what music is right now, it might help our chances in the future. I didn't realise that Maniskin was a Eurovision winner. Um I yeah. just thought they were a, a, a massive group these days. But is that what Ireland's trying to tap into, taking a popular, you know, band or group and he- sending them to Eurovision? Like after, after all, Maniskin had won, you know, they'd done really well in the Italian X Factor and stuff like that. Is that what we're trying to do here in Ireland with Wild Youth, do you think? I think there's a, an element of it. Mm. Um, but I don't think... The P, the powers that be, are in the right place uh-huh. in terms of what they're doing. I think Maniskin went, and it was very genuine. It was very, it was about the music. Again, as I said, I feel like what we've sent this year is very much what we think yes. Eurovision should be. Very considered. We've been doing that for a while, though, haven't we? Yes, and I think that's why we're we've we've got the worst record mm. of anyone in the last ten years. And isn't that terrible and, for people who for a country that did so brilliantly back in the nineties? Yeah, I mean, when I started watching, it was a time when Ireland was was constantly mm. doing amazingly. Mm-hmm. So for the fact that we're doing so poorly now, I, I just think the people who are making the decisions are not making the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who who is the one for you? For the Eurovision this week, who who do you think will be doing very, very well? Well, I think Sweden is definitely the one to watch. Okay. So Sweden has been represented by Lorraine, who she won in 2012 mm-hmm. with the song Euphoria. Yeah, which she's is, the only one I know, Colin. <laughs> yeah, she became like that song, you know, went into the, the charts in the US. It was number one in Ireland. Uh-huh. It was a massive song. So she's back this year. Uh, Eurovision is like, you know, heaven for the Swedes. They are, are so invested mm-hmm. in it. It's such a massive spectacle for them. Um, Finland is another big hit this year. I think it's, it's going to take the fight to Sweden. Um, I, I, I personally like Norway. I think it's a little bit, you know, catchy. And the UK have sent a really good song. I think last year they kind of, you know, the UK up until last year were in the same kind of place as us. They just, were doing Eurovision by numbers. They thought it was what they should send. Okay. Uh, and last year they sent Sam Ryder with a great song and came second. So they've done that again this year. Their their song is really, you know, cool. It's really, it's a radio friendly song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to help their chances. Okay. Well, semi-finals Tuesday, Thursday. The big one for Ireland is Tuesday. And then the Eurovision itself is on a Saturday. And uh, all the different commentaries. Out of all the commentaries, who do you watch on television? Ireland I or like, Graham Norton? I like Marty. Well, you Graham like Norton Martin? won't be on, oh. on BBC this year because he's hosting next Saturday. Of course. So who is yes. doing the commentary? 
instead of Graham I Norton, think it's I, Scott, I think it's Scott Mills. Okay. I think so. Okay, well, then we'll yeah. definitely be doing Marty. I would be watching yeah. Marty anyway. I love his form of humour. I do. I think he's great, yeah. <laughs> and tell me, since you don't like a party and people talk over the judging, what will you be doing for the Eurovision? I'll be watching it very much on my own so I can hear everything that happens. <laughs> well, you enjoy that, Colin. Your best day Thanks, of your life and of the year. Enjoy it. I'll, I'll say go Ireland. You don't seem to be holding out much hope, but let's see how we do. That was... Well, look, I, I'll be cheering them on regardless. Let's, let's hope they get yeah, through. Yeah, go Ireland. Go Wild Youth. That was Eurovision superfan Colin Byrne. Thanks a million for joining me this morning. Thanks, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is the Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Let's talk about one of my favourite subjects, pets. Dogs for me in particular. And over 87% of owners say that their pet has had a positive impact on their mental health and well-being. Really, we just love our pets. They're part of the family. But as with other members of the family, with love comes guilt. I'm going to be talking to Pete the Vet as the summer holidays approach about Travelling with your pet and, and what to do when you're going away and of course your pet can't. He joins me this morning on the Sunday Grill. You're very welcome, Pete. Hello, thanks very much. No problem at all. Tell me about your pets. Do you is are you a dog household, a cat household, a goose household? How many pets have you? Oh. We're an everything household. We we have about 20 pets. Now that sounds very extreme, but I have to break that down for you. Okay. We've got three cats, two dogs, six hens okay. and a bunch of canaries. So, <laughs> um, but the main, mainly I'd be a dog and cat person. I find it hard to see how anybody can classify themselves as dog or cat. I think they're both wonderful types of creatures mm-hmm. that have their own strengths and weaknesses. And is there a hierarchy? Who's the boss out of all of those pets? Um, I, I think cats are the boss generally in life. Um, <laughs> cats do what they want to do, um, and everybody else obeys. So, and they they have it. They have great lives as a consequence of that. Oh, I can imagine, and very free lives. They like to mooch around, don't they? Listen, I see my cat stretched out in front of the agar in our kitchen. That's how she spends her days. And I look at her and I think, you don't need to go to work. You don't need to worry about where your food's coming from. You're just having having the dream. <laughs> and when you talk about cats and dogs, what came first in your house? We'd love to bring a, a cat into our house, but we worry about our dogs and their mm. their reaction to a cat. So did the cats come first or how did it work? Well, it, for us, it's just it's happened as it's happened. Mm. There wasn't really a plan to it, but it so happened that the dogs did come first. And uh, so what we did is we just made very, very careful introductions. I think what, what, what we know is that animals, they live in a world that's different to ours and scent is more important than vision. So we start off by just um, rubbing a, 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 a piece of cloth around the cat's body and around his head especially, mm. and then letting, letting the dogs sniff that. And we okay. did that before the cats even came into the room. And so then the dogs at least get prepared for the different smell. Mm. Um, and they were surprisingly interested in the cloth as we did that, by the way. They didn't just ignore it. They thought you could t- say they were thinking, ooh, what's this? So then when you introduce them, the main thing is to make sure that everybody's safe. And so at first that involves keeping the cats in the carrier so mm. they you know, they can't get out and they can't, the dogs can't get in. And then once everybody seems nice and calm and collected, then you take them out of the carrier. And I would say that often there's been a bit of tension at first, but 
over a period of weeks, generally animals come to terms with each other. And at the very least, they learn to tolerate each other. And in the best cases, they begin to actually love each other. Okay. So I would have my, my dog and cat would sometimes curl up together, um, sleeping in the same place um, and enjoying each other's body warmth. And you don't worry so, about you know, that. It can work out very well. Okay, okay. Um, I was at Pups in the Park last weekend and the love and pride that people had in their dogs that weekend. Like there was hundreds of dogs there. It just was so lovely to see. I think that we can really see the bad side of pet ownership, especially on social media. There's a lot of, of sad stories, but like people just love their pets, don't they? They do. I think an interesting change in the last an interesting change in the last thirty years is that we we really realised with with the help of science like dynamic MRI scans of the brain and our understanding of what neurochemicals are in the brain that dogs and cats are much more like us than we used to think. They don't have a big forebrain, so they can't sort of worry about things or plan a long time in advance that kind of stuff. They're no good at doing that, but they feel the same sorts of emotions. So when it comes to things like affection um, and and wanting to be close to you, it's just as real from an animal as it is from a human. And it's no wonder that we, that we value our relationships with pets so much. Is it true when they say that dogs have the brain that's equivalent of a three-year-old? Um, well, that's often said as a way of assessing animal mm. intelligence. And and I, I think on some on, on some measurements that's true. But when you think about animal intelligence, I'd be much quicker to say animals have intelligence that's ideally suited to their own needs. Okay. So like you know, so dogs have a sense of smell that's way way better than us, and that's a kind of that's a kind of intelligence, if you like. But we humans tend to assess intelligence by our own standards, by what's what by what we need in our lives. I think it's a bit unfair to assess them mm. by that. Yeah. And what do you think of the mollycoddling of dogs in particular, Pete? You know, the dressing up, the, you know, lying out on the couch at you, sleeping in the bed, stuff like that. Are you OK with all that as a vet? Well, I, I think it's important to remember to see it from the pet's point of view mm. and to realise that, yes, sometimes we do things for our own sakes. And that's OK as long as it's happening as long as the pet's cool with it but you know you have to sometimes i've seen dogs that are dressed up that look a bit uncomfortable and don't look very happy and as an owner you should be kind of aware of of that side of the situation and make sure that you you don't do anything that that upsets the animal but otherwise it's a bit of fun and it helps to make the relationship between pets and people closer and i and i, I don't see there's much wrong with it okay good stuff now, let's talk. We are approaching the summer holidays and, you know, for most of us going away on those one or two weeks holidays abroad, that means leaving your dog behind. And we're actually doing this for the first time this year, putting our dog into a kennels for two weeks. And with that comes a, a lot of guilt. Um, with having cats and dogs, Pete, when when you go away, is it a cattery in a kennels or does the cat stay at home? What happens in that sense? Well, when we go away, Basically, there's three options that we that we would look at, uh, and the first option, which we've often done, is simply to have a pet sitter come and live in our house, mm. and that for for the animals then, certainly for 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 one of the cats and for the two dogs, that they're they're happy out really. Um, the two pedigree indoor cats that we have, that's a bit different, and um, they they would much prefer to come with us because they're very people attached cats. Okay. So so um, so they would come with us wh wherever we were going, um, and that's 
easy within Ireland. Um, you just need to make sure, I mean, people traveling with their pets around Ireland, they just need to make sure that wherever they're going accepts pets. Um, and, accept, accepts uh, and, pets and you can, obviously. you just, just, well, pet pet friendly places are much more popular than they mm -hmm. used to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, the pe people who provide services have realised that that there's a there's a big need there, and they're providing that they're responding to that need. But you do need to check before you go. Don't just turn up at a hotel and assume they'll let your dog come into the bedroom because mm -hmm. they might not. Mm -hmm. So check before you go. Um, when it comes to going overseas, I, uh, I think I, I did travel once with my one of my dogs to London. We went on, the, on, on an airline and he had to go in his carrier into the hold. And I have to say for him, it wasn't a wasn't a great experience. Mm. When he got to the other side, he was a bit shivery and quiet. And I, yeah. I wasn't I, I felt I hadn't really done the best for him in that instance. I'd be much happier um, with, with sea travel these days. I know in the past dogs and cats they always had to be in the in the in the car area just left in the car and you know you can imagine the sort of the lower light and the clunking of machinery and the sound of the water it could be maybe that again could be a bit frightening for them mm. but um one of one of the kind of more innovative things that's happened recently is that some ferry companies like Stenaline mm -hmm. they listen to their customers they engage with animal behaviorists animal welfare people, animal health people, and they basically designed the perfect facilities on their boats for pets. And I think this is fabulous. So now they've got pet-friendly cabins. Mm -hmm. so you can go to a cabin that's got kind of non-slip surface so your pet won't slip around when they're walking on it. And it's it's easy to clean. And it's basically you're allowed to have your pet sleeping in their bed beside your bed. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, if I was traveling to France, that's what I would want to do now. And of course, uh, there is a route from Rosslair to France with Stenaline. Um, what things do you have to think about, though, when you're bringing your dog abroad? Like, do they need their version of a passport? How does that work? Yeah, it's, it, it, it sounds complicated, but it's not that complicated. What you need to do is you, you need to, I would be contacting your vet a couple of months before you go. And the vet will make sure that your pet is microchipped and all dogs are legally bound to be. So your pet should be microchipped. Once they've checked the microchip, they then give the dog a vaccination against rabies and they'll issue you with a, a blue EU pet passport. And that pet passport becomes valid three weeks after the rabies vaccine is given, okay. and it remains valid for three years. You have to repeat the rabies vaccine every three years. So once you've got that document, that's really all you need to, to travel. Um, there's a slight complication when you're coming back from uh, the European country. You do have to go to local vet, and you do have to um, get your pet given a special tapeworm tablet because there's a tapeworm that they can get when they're overseas that doesn't even happen in Ireland and we don't want to introduce it. So you have to get the tapeworm medication recorded in your pet passport and then you're ready to come back to Ireland again. So it really is much, much easier than it used to be. And is that just for dogs or does the same apply for cats? Um, the, the rules for cats the same. Okay. I have to say it's pretty rare for people to want to take their cats I know, to, I know, yeah. to, to, but, but, but yes, you get cat pest passports just the same way. Okay. Okay. And then if it's rare for cats, mm. obviously, if you have one of your canaries, Pete, you're not bringing your canaries to France with you on the ferry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're not. They're happy. They're happier at home. Like that. They're happier yeah, at home. That wouldn't be fun yeah. for them at all. Well, look, stenaline.ie <laughs> is probably the best place to go for more information and their pet friendly cabins are available on the Cherbourg 
Edinburgh, Ross Lair route, the Liverpool Belfast, Hollyhead Dublin and Fishguard Ross Lair as well. Row route I've taken so often that Ross Lair to Fishguard route. Pete, so good to know that Maxie the dog could be going on that as well. So I'm sure you have lots of holiday plans. Dog dogs or not, um, but the pet setting one, lots of different options for your beloved pets this summer if you're heading away. That's it. Brilliant, Pete. Thank you so much for talking to me this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's good fun. Financial well-being with Bank of Ireland, empowering you to take control of your finances now and into later life. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Week two of empowering young people to take control of their finances now and in the future with Bank of Ireland. Bank of Ireland have created a youth financial literacy programme. And to tell us more, Lucia McCauley, one of the financial well-being coaches with Bank of Ireland, joins me again this morning. You're welcome back. Thanks a million. It's good to be back. Now, this brings back memories because when I was in primary school, we got one of those piggy banks. Do you remember them that you were given? I do, yeah. I don't remember what I did with it because the only thing I can remember (laughs) saving is my communion money. But saving is kind of maybe a a negative term because I'd say I spent it within two weeks. So, you know, kids and money, it's a funny old game, isn't it? Oh, 100%. But um, I suppose it's 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 a great thing to learn. It's a great skill to learn really young. And they do say kids from as young as, you know, two years old are, you know, they're soaking up that information and they understand it. And I have a one year old and she knows what money is already, you know, so um, they're so smart. And I suppose the program we have is developed to, to look after primary and secondary schools across Ireland. Um, and 418,000 students have gone through um, the program and it, it's it's a great program because you're going to be talking about how to manage your money at such a young age so it's how to spend your money and how to save it and then some other concepts around say borrowing and then how to invest money but again really really um, basic skills um, and, and to get them get them set up for life. So you're going into primary and secondary schools what age group from primary because I have a seven-year-old and she has a savings account which she uses every single week at the moment it's diary of a wimpy kid books she's just splurging on them so she gets that the savings go in but she doesn't get that they're savings and they should stay there so what age are you kind of having that conversation in primary schools with yeah so from it's children under 12 really and um they're yeah, so, and it is the basic, and I suppose we do talk to them about, like, it's good to spend your money as well. You know, it, it is great to get the habit of saving, and it's great mm. that she knows that she can save that money, and then she can afford to go and buy her book. And it's it's empowering them to do that, which is really important. Okay. Um, again, the saving piece is the habit, and it's creating really good habits at really young ages. So, you know, as we do when it comes to their food and all their, and you know, getting out and getting exercise, it's the same when it comes to money. It's just creating that really good habit and, and not to be afraid to spend it as well, because... It's important to spend money and it's important to enjoy life as well okay. when it comes to your finances. So you have a mix of financial well-being topics that are earning and income, saving and spending, credit and debt, risk and protection. I, I presume these are all for very different age groups within the primary and secondary school cycles. Yeah, and when we will come into the secondary, the second level, we would talk a lot about more about earning your money. So mm-hmm. getting them to understand how a pay, their pay slips so when they get their first their first job. Um, you know, and that could be a part time job when they're at school as well and understanding, you know, the bit of tax they might have to pay, etc. We also then have um, when we're talking about um, the saving, the savings piece, we talked a lot about compounding um, and how that, you know, interest rates and how they work um, and how they can make money when it comes with their savings. When it comes to borrowing, we 
try to make them understand at that early age before they go to college, you know, the basic things are important. So things, for example, um, maybe you'll get a credit card when you turn 18 and you're at college, but it's really important to pay that back and the mm-hmm. effects that that can have you. So, you know, on your credit report and if you decided to borrow, if you never paid your credit card bill back in time, how much um, that's going to affect you into later life and all the other de- financial decisions that you can might might want to make. So again, a really important age to for them to understand that. So that's normally around transition years. So you're talking 15, 16 year olds okay. um, and, and just giving them those few life skills before they before they head off to college. But we also cover off with that with that cohort as well just around cvs and interview skills some of the softer pieces and then things around you know how to start a business we've great we've great courses on that as well so kind of dragons danish um and they they come up with their idea so they're already doing that anyway in transition year um and, and we talk through that and are they going to be able to afford it for their business okay. um so and it's do great they, do they yeah. get it I, I don't remember being 15 or 16 and getting it you know well, well, I used to do the job and I do think like I would have we did a bit of a school bank and you, you would have noticed people that would have come into your local branch weekly at, on, on their lunch hour and they would have saved their money. Um, You're not going to get everybody, I suppose, but mm-hmm. I suppose a lot of it happens at home as well with their mums and dads and I suppose, you know, seeing and doing. And I suppose I'd be, when I look at myself, I'm very like how my mother manages her money, mm-hmm. not like my father. Mm-hmm. And my mom and me would be different types of spenders and savers, et cetera. So I think you see what happens at home is what, what kids see as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that can transfer through to the classroom. So you're, I suppose we're just doing our best to give them them concepts and hope that, and hope that they'll, they'll change it. But again, it's, it's doing, it's the seeing and doing, which is the, is the big one. Mm-hmm. And the main aim with that is to be, have financial wellbeing. Yeah, and, and and I suppose it's around that literacy piece and, and making sure that their their, their education and that and that is, is strong. And that when they come into that piece, like when they go to get their first loan for maybe to go traveling, mm-hmm. or maybe it's going to be to help something with college. You know that they're confident that they understand the information, they understand what APR means and some of that jargon that they're going to have to pay extra back. You know, you, you might take out five hundred euro, but you're going to have to pay back. Um, extra because you're going to have to pay interest so getting them even in that mind frame is really important mm, and equipping them with that information as well so you know yeah. they're not going in blind to you know getting thousands of euro to go off to Australia but then you have to play, pay it back with interest which is always a bit of a shock exactly. isn't it it's a big shock I think <laughs> <laughs> so that is part of the Bank of Ireland's school programs if you want to get more details on that you just can go to boi.com forward slash schools and there's a section for parents and guardians and schools as well so if schools or teachers click on that you'll find out more details how to get involved 100% yeah and they can and they'll get all access to all the information brilliant well as always Lucia McCauley thanks a million for joining this week and telling us a little bit about how to empower young people to take control of their finances now and in the future that is Lucia McCauley from Bank of Ireland and she is one of the financial well-being coaches with Bank of Ireland and we'll talk to you next week when we're going to talk about the benefits of financial well-being and if people want to go on to Bank of Ireland and check the financial health check before we we talk next week Lucia I did it and I'm a little bit okay. shocked but we'll talk more about that next week Brilliant. thanks a million for joining me <laughs> talk to you bye bye Financial Wellbeing with Bank of Ireland empowering you to take control of your finances now and into later life Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland It is the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102 and 03 and time for some marvels as Guardians of the Galaxy has returned for its third and final volume Chris Pratt returns as Peter Quayle or Star-Lord he's half human half celestial leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy so is this final volume a triumph 
or just indulgent and a send-off for those Guardians of the Galaxy. Brian is somewhere in Europe. He's ready to review it for us. Let's have a listen to a clip and then we will chat to him. I'm so sorry about this, Yura. Oh, please. We're here to save the life of our friend. That is all. We paid her to help us get in and get out. You'd think that'd mean, oh, I'm gonna help you do it in a way that no one knows it's happening. But no, what she means is I'm gonna shoot people, threaten people's Shut lives. Up! And I know you're probably asking, why would I trust her? Well, that's a good question. The answer is, we used to be in love. Yeah, she was my girlfriend, only she doesn't remember it because it wasn't her. Because her dad threw her off a magic cliff and she died and then I lost my temper and nearly destroyed half the universe. And she came back out of the past. There she is. Everyone else who died in the past stayed dead. Not her. Why? Was it the magic cliff? I don't know. That's some freaking Infinity Stone scientist. And some dumbass Earth dude who met a girl, fell in love. That girl died. And then came back a total dick. You left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. There you go. That is the gist of it. That's what that clip is called Brian for people who don't know Guardians of the Galaxy explain that because it kind of sums up what's been going on between those two ex-lovers in the movie there's there's three Guardians of the Galaxy movies but what he's describing happens in Infinity War and Endgame so there's kind of like five movies you need to watch well four movies you need to watch before you go into this one to really have a proper full understanding of everybody which is not ideal but at the same time they're four great movies so it's not the worst of times, like, you okay. know. And I read a bit um, about Guardians of the Galaxy because I don't really know it. And so a lot of the take homes was that um, these mar- movies from the Marvel cine- Cinematic Universe can take a big actor and kind of almost overwork them that they're in everything. And I, I think Zoe Sal- Sal- Saldana, is that how you say her name? She has yeah. said that she's just not doing this character again. Yeah, well, the funny thing about Guardians is, like, I was I was watching the first one there the other day before I went into the third one, and before Guardians, all the main, all the characters in this, apart from like Vin Diesel who voices Groot, uh, they were all kind of side characters in things. Like Zoe Saldana was always kind of a side character. Dave Bautista, Chris Pratt was was only like Parks and Rec at the time, and like Karen Gillan was Doctor Who, and like just things like that. And now they came, and now they're all kind of the main group. They're kind of like a group of B-listers come to making kind of an A-list team, which is kind of what happened with Guardians because nobody really knew who they were. And then they came in and now they're kind of probably at the minute the favourite team in the MCU, which I know kind of goes over your head. Have you seen the Guardians movies? I, I've I doubt seen, it. I actually, excuse me, I've seen the first one in the cinema. In fact, You've seen the first one? my biggest take home from it was the brilliant music in the soundtrack. Yes. Well, the soundtrack is kind of become in some ways more iconic than the movies. Like people, like the soundtracks themselves have sold millions or mm. at least hundreds of thousands on like, and that th- this movie is definitely going to be no exception. The soundtrack in it is fantastic. Okay. Since, since I've seen it, I've literally can't stop listening to it. So it's, it's just one of those things that they just, the music is such a big part of the characters and it's a big part of the, a uh, big part of the whole story as well, which works because we're a music station. So it brings it all back together. Mm-hmm, totally. <laughs> um, CGI wise, there's been a lot of talk about it. Is it, you know, does yeah, it fall on it, the sword of CGI or does or it like, It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Good to hear. It is. It's one of the, like, it's, it's one of those movies where there's a lot of the, like the characters and stuff are like, they wear costumes rather than being CGI costumes. And apparently it's like some of the biggest sets that Marvel has ever made. And the places really felt 
like places, you know. Yeah, the CGI is fantastic. So basically, they're wearing more like costumes. Like it's it's that the, all the characters are in costumes rather than like a CGI costume. Apart from obviously like the person who plays the raccoon. Like you can't. That's not this raccoons can't act. Um, not yet. But they they have like then the sets apparently some of the biggest sets the like the Marvel has ever made. And then the just the background CGI just feels so natural even though it's obviously not like one stage they're in space and it feels like you, you i was watching it it genuinely feels like they're in space and i was like i got I, I got caught and i was like i genuinely didn't i genuinely was like how do they do that and i was like i'm a fool this is a movie but like it caught me up and, and like how many times have i said to you like i just wasn't engrossed or whatever it just, this just completely catches you like mm-hmm. Any, like I was watching clips of it and the clips with Rocket and his other animally friends, it kind of got me, got me a bit teary and it was just a clip. Are, are there those kind of sentimental, sad moments? Oh, well, you're going to cry. No, you're I, can't, cry. I can't watch it if animals are hurt or animals aren't going to get what they want in life. Oh, no, or like you're not oh, going to watch it. So. Okay. It's, it's, Rocket is, it, it's, it's a weird thing because Rocket's kind of the main character. Mm. There's a lot about his backstory. In the other movies, he refers to his past and like they're not understanding his past. But this, like, it's really, really sore. But like, it's, it, it ties in from the site, like volume two, and then it ties in from his past altogether. And it also ties, like, every character has a real big part in this. You know, they sometimes they, like, they sometimes like after volume three, they're like, oh, we don't really need this character as much. We kind of push them to the side. Every character has a moment in this. You know, they have their own moment to mm. kind of stand out and be them. And like, it really feels like a team movie rather than just like two characters and another four characters, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's just, it, it's a really, really, really great movie. And I know like I, I had a good run, a great run of movies there for a, a while there and then I had a not so great one last week but this one came back and it, it really made me realise okay yeah no there's absolute gems out there now and this I is the final volume definite we, in the two and a half hours that you watch you never thought they're going to try this again they, they <gasps> confirmed by the end of it that this like this current Guardians of the Galaxy team is never going to be the same again okay I know I'm trying to really really I know maneuver yeah. between the the uh what what happens in it um but it, like it's a it's a t- top tier motion picture or okay, really 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 fun so as I said at the start a triumph or an indulgent which are you going for I'd say or this is a really good pun now get ready for this prepare yourself <laughs> okay. I'd say turn up the volume <laughs> because this volume three was fantastic oh okay <laughs> Not the greatest fun you've ever done, to tell you the truth. No, I'm sorry, yeah. Okay, let's I black... didn't think about that one going in. <laughs> you went in with it with such confidence. Confidence of a mediocre man. Now, oh. let's give it some black puddings, please, out of ten. Or I'm going to give it... Are you ready for this? Yes, I'm ready, Brian. Ten black puddings <gasps> okay. out of ten. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to say it's the best movie that's been out this year so far. Well, for... I'm really surprised to hear that because I have been doing my research on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and to say the critics are divided is not an untruth but it's a 10 out of 10 black puddings for you. Yeah, I like it's it's funny like it's the second 10 out of 10 I've given this year or mm. and Chris Pratt has been the main character in both of those movies. And what was the first one that so, you gave 10 out of 10 for? Mario. Oh, I Mario, completely... of course. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So... I don't know. Maybe I'm growing soft, Orla. Maybe I'm going going soft in maybe. my in my 
old age, but yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it ten, ten or no. Good stuff. It is, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Ten black puddings out of ten from Brian. Brian, who is on his solo trip around Europe. I don't think you're going to be too impressed by where he is right now. Tell us. Northampton. <laughs> <laughs> How is the weather in, in Bambi, North- in Northampton? Wow. You know it's actually really, really nice. Okay. It's actually really sunny. Right okay. now, so I'll give you that. Go where, what's the next step on Brian's solo trip around Europe? Uh, London. London. And then on to France, you've decided. No, Germany. Oh, Germany. Okay, France was a goer at one stage, but it's not anymore. France, yeah, I might make a day trip to France from when I'm in Luxembourg after okay. Germany. So. Lovely stuff. Well, look, you know so how it is. We'll be talking to you via via the phone next week as well, will we? Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then hopefully Please. you'll be back. You'll be back with us the week after. Yeah. yeah, yeah Luxembourg yeah, yeah. won't have taken your heart. Well, you never know. Well, that's true. That's true. In the I meantime, be <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three: A whopping ten black puddings out of ten from Brian. Uh, be safe there in Northampton and wherever else you end up. On Brian, we have to give this a title: Brian's Great Solo Trip Across Europe. It sounds like you're going everywhere. Where really you're just going to where the cheapest flights are, aren't you? Yeah, where I can get free accommodation because my go. friends are oh, there. Oh yeah, so Brian's <laughs> Brian's great tour about around Europe slash Brian's stingy trip yeah. across Europe. <laughs> Brian's couch surfing across Europe. Enjoy it. Go. I'll go and make a promo for that now as we're speaking. Thanks a million. <laughs> I want. I want. I want a theme song. Okay, I'll get you a theme song. It'll be a dangerous <laughs> one. Talk to you next week. See ya. The Sunday Grill on Beat One Hundred Two One Hundred Three.